0: Love the, loved how he put it. You know, If you've got something better to do, do it. If you've got something better to do, do it. Man, God gives us the privilege, you know, as we hang out with the radius students over the course of 10 months, to see as they come in, they've all walked away from jobs, careers, selling businesses, lives that have tremendous potential, and there is that sense of uh, wow, I've given up something, and they have. But um, over the course of the months there, this voice uh, gets louder and louder. What a privilege! What an honor! That I'm going to get to take the message of Jesus to a group that's never had a chance to hear. I love seeing that slow replacement of perspectives. You got something better to do? Do it, but guys. You better read your Bible. You better understand the privilege and honor it is that He has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. I know we've got a lot to think about here. If you've got to pee, pee, uh, well, get up and pee. <laughs> uh, we are switching topics. Uh, biblical expectations for family, a critical component. Uh, we're we're kind of getting right into the wheelhouse of missions now and uh, some of the things that are hindering us and our, our collective desire to see the gospel get to every last tongue, tribe, and nation, every ethnically, linguistically, differentiated group of people. Um, there are numerous people stepping forward uh, and uh, with a desire to have a part in that. Uh, I'm thankful for perspectives classes. I'm thankful for uh, Urbana and the uh, cross conference. I'm thankful for uh, a lot of things that are going on in the missions endeavor today. But uh, again as we talk about and this conference is trying to highlight the need for training. Uh, one of the cr- most critical areas in missions today is the unprepared family. The unprepared family. Um, Historically, it was kind of a joke, kind of a running joke for I don't know when this thing got out. But uh, when I was going through missionary training uh, years ago, Earth was still cooling, um, there was uh, we heard it and uh, nobody doubted it because I saw the other guys that were going through training. The number one cause for missionary turnover, missionaries can't get along with each other got all these alpha individuals out there okay and i'm looking at the other guys that are a bunch of knuckleheads i'm a knucklehead we can't get along even in training and like yeah that makes total sense got to the field makes total sense uh, you know and, and yeah missionary turnover was there uh, strife uh, just uh, a bunch of strong personalities and in a sense uh, uh, maybe the, there had to be a, a certain amount of that makeup within you to overcome the hurdles to get there and to stay there. That was an actual, uh, actually a handy component in the missionary um, mindset. Um, but again, uh, true or not, that was the word on the street. Uh, but my wife and I, uh, we were there on the field about 12 years, about 13, 14, began to see something else. It was just It didn't like change overnight. But uh, we noticed this, and then uh, when we came back uh, in 1999, we began to ask other guys that were mission executives uh, about what we had observed. And uh, there's, no, uh, there's no getting around it, guys. The number one cause for missionary turnover is the inability for people to keep the family unit together. And uh, some of it's just basic parenting skills, some of it's basic marriaging skills, some of it though, goes right back to the whole issue of invalid expectations. What did you think you were getting into? As a follower of Jesus, first off, what did you think you were getting into? And especially as one who's gonna take the message of the gospel where it's never been before uh, to contexts that are difficult to live in uh, politically, uh, just sometimes physically, uh, sometimes militarily, uh, religiously, you're not, uh, there's no fan clubs waiting to greet you. What did you think you were getting into? Uh, it, it, sometimes it's comical. Most of the times it's just flat out tragic. Uh, The American uh, church, and and again, missionaries are just commonly a reflection of the church. We've seen the breakdown of the family. Now, I didn't know that I'd lived in a dysfunctional family, okay? I didn't actually know that the police didn't come to the door on a regular basis because dad was doing this, that, and that. You know, just, hey, everybody grows up in their family, and I grew up in my family, and uh, dad was in the military, and, uh, man, we had the military home, and uh, you know, that's just the way it was. And then, uh, you know what, the TV sets came along, I began to get old enough to actually understand. Uh, I was watching Leave it to Beaver. Like, dude, they never come to Ward Cleaver's house. How come the cops, don't, you know, man, that's, that's the family. That's what it's supposed to look like. And then, you know, the Huxtables, you know, Bill Cosby, The Cosby Show. Dude, that was not the family I was raised in either. Yeah, and now you've got, you know, Mike Baxter, you know, whatever. It, it, we've got these different half-hour sitcoms, and that's the family. That's the way it's supposed to be. And then we all realize, oh, dude, my family sucks. Uh, my family's got issues. My family's dysfunctional. My family, man, where's a therapist? Where's a counselor? And, uh, you know, and people just kind of survive. But anymore, uh, boy, the expectations that we have are sometimes really predominantly uh, uh, dictated by the TV set. Kids are all wonderful. Mom and dad are wonderful. Life is wonderful. Uh, and then, uh, as a Christian church, and I'm not saying that dysfunction is something to take lightly. Please, we put a lot of time into this uh, in preparation of our families because they need to be strong when they go to the field. But they better have biblical expectations, not Hollywood expectations. And too often the church's expectations are actually created by half-hour sitcoms. Um, man, I, I appreciate the, some of the major voices that have been, uh, ris- have been raised up within the church, but I think we have to confront the idea that the church has gone too far. And the idolization of the family is no longer just a cool word; it's actually a reality that is enmeshed within the American church, and we're seeing it overseas. And when the idol of the American family gets uh, jeopardized uh, overseas, you're going to come home. When it gets jeopardized in the USA, well, you just don't you don't worry about it. You just don't. You, just do what you're going to do. You decide the level of commitment that you're going to live at, that your family's going to live at, and uh, no one's really going to take that on. Uh, That can work here. Uh, We can uh, go to conference after conference. We can go to wonderful camps. We can dictate, uh, man, the degree of, uh, we want to go visit the inner city. We want to go do something in the Christian realm. We can do that and actually have a great time at that. But if we're overseas living in the midst of a situation that's difficult, you either stay there or you leave. You can't keep a foot in both worlds, really, and have your wife navigating among a situation where she's a target, where your kids are going to be separated from you. You're going to come home unless you have already come to some understandings of this is what it is to be a Christ follower. And folks, for missionary candidates to end up overseas without having walked through these issues seriously, we are setting them up for failure. It is not fair to them to go into a, you know, some of these situations. Ours was different. Uh, my wife never got beat up. But uh, where we lived among the Teddy people, they were serial rapists. Okay? They took uh, little girls at 8 years old, and they became public property. They were raped at will. Well, they were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, raising a daughter in that context. Okay? Uh, man, going to a Muslim context, your wife's going to be touched. Man, Not to be not prepared for that, Uh, your kids uh, are going to go through things. To be unprepared for that going overseas, the clock is already ticking on your time in service if you haven't mentally been walked through the reality of those scenarios. The idolization of the family uh, in the church today uh, is no longer just a a concept that uh, Christians need to be made aware of. Actually, this lady here and her husband, and they are not believers, They're not believers. Uh, They wrote a book on this very topic here. American parenting is killing the American uh, marriage. I want to read you a little excerpt uh, from the book that they wrote called Sacred Cows. And I'm not endorsing the book by any means because these guys are completely uh, non-believers. They would, in a sense, be God-haters. But they're seeing some of the lunatic levels this is going to as Americans are parenting their children. They're... uh, One excerpt reads like this, as with many religions, complete unthinking devotion is required from its practitioners. Nothing in life is allowed to be more important than our children. Children always come first. We accept this premise so reflexively today that we forget that it was not always so. To understand the frightening power of the parenthood religion, these are unsaved people talking. To understand the frightening power of the parenthood religion, one need to look no further than the 2005 essay in the New York Times. Oh, this is a God-friendly media outlet. This is <laughs> helpful to us, but the New York Times is printing this where New York Times <clears throat> by Ayelet Waldeman, where the author explained in her essay that she loved her husband more than her four children. Now, she's not a God-lover either, but the un- Challenged love for the children, the place of the children, uh, and this woman 's admission that I actually love my husband more than my children, uh, following the publication of her essay, Waldman was not only shouted down by America for being a bad mother, strangers threatened her physically and told her that they would report her to child protective services. Um, <laughs> kind of kind of surprising. Um, I remember when Beth and I came home on our first furlough and uh, Brooks, had, uh, Brooks had spent uh, a semester in the boarding school. It hadn't gone well. First semester he was there, he was a young kid. And uh, <clears throat> one of the dear saints uh, in one of our churches that we appreciated so greatly, uh, dear saint came up to us, that's ridiculous you putting your kids in a boarding school. I love my kids too much. I could never do that. That was real encouraging. (laughs) Yeah, we we really don't love our kids that much. I felt like, oh, dude, I had so many responses on the tip of my tongue. Uh, And if it's just a contest of who loves their kids more, I guess we could have a discussion that, you know, how do we measure that, what's that mean? If the word of God is silent, then we all get to pick these things out and we pick, you know, how we're going to live life. And uh, if the word of God is silent, you do it your way, 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 and I'll do it my way. Because the word of God is not silent. And the Lord Jesus himself, man, if, and we don't have time this morning to go through the whole book of Luke. We're going to take some passages. The word of God and the Lord Jesus in particular recalibrate what it is to be a family by his definition. And we either get in line with that and then our family has a chance, not because it's easy, it's because, because it's great, encouraging stuff, but because it prepares us for what he says, this is what it is to be the family unit and how it fits together, and who's at the top of that, and the degree of allegiance I demand out of those who say, I'm your follower. We either bow before the word of God, or we just let focus on the family, dictate. I'll be straight up with you. Man, we, we got the tape, so we listened to the, we li- I remember when we were on furlough, this is like our third furlough into it, and I, I, I've cut into the chase, I'm getting off my notes here, but uh, uh, so I'm, you know, I didn't really enjoy furlough time. I'm not that guy, okay? And so I would go off and do construction, and my wife would visit all our supporters, and she's great at that. She's prettier and nicer and everything. And, uh, and so I'd come back from work, and uh, my wife would be crying and, uh, because she was listening to the Focus on the Family thing. And uh, the, the word on the street, the, the very clear word was for us to have our kids in a boarding school, our kids would be emotional ticking bombs. It was just gonna be a matter of time before they blew up on us. And i uh, man, I don't see it, but you know, okay, I get it, you know, let's, let's just be even more careful, and then we went back to the field, and uh, man, we've got three kids now, uh, and some of them are in Ron Lindsay's dorm, and uh, we're, we're concerned like crazy, and man, somebody sent us a whole series on tape, and we're listening to them again out there, like, man, are we missing something? Man, we want to do this well. As a family, man, we, we, we do have a responsibility to our kids. Man, God has given us four kids. We want to do that well, but are we missing something? We're listening to them, like, gosh, I, I'm... I don't don't see it and um, I wrote to the headquarters and um, I I said man maybe I'm missing something but you know would you come on out here would you come on out to New Guinea just interview my kids sit down with them they can be at the boarding school you can be there we'll be back here I don't even need to be in the same room if we're missing something I want to know about it but is it a recipe for disaster for kids to be in a boarding school that was the unquestioned premise of this five-day presentation on Focus on the Family Radio. And uh, we got a really nice letter back. No, I'm sorry, you know, Dr. So-and-so. was too busy to come out here, you know, da-da-da. Uh, it was a very nice letter. Um, <clears throat> I won't say more about that. <clears throat> Folks, I love, I love being a dad. Uh, man, the, the most musical sound I believe any male can ever hear in his uh, short little life down here is, Hey, Dad! hey dad from the time they're looking hey daddy until they're you know brooke dad yeah Uh, (laughs) that's music love being a granddad i got five grandkids you know Uh, you know three grandkids on the way i love that whole thing but folks this thing of the family has it is now hindering the great commission and uh, we're going to get into this as we go further here um how can it be it's funny to me listening to tv or watching tv a few months ago some guy had uh, he was suing the u.s government because he had gotten uh, called up he had joined the national guard and then his unit got called up to iraq (laughs) it was like hey i didn't sign up for that what did you think you signed up for you're in the national guard dude You're going overseas to learn a first language and learn a second language, and they don't fear God. They like pretty women. They are going to like your wife, and they're going to hate your kids. What did you think you signed up for? Guys, for us to be unawares and just assume that we can live in a compound and that our kids won't get beat up, our kids won't watch Daddy get taken hostage, our wife will be on public transportation, and she will not get her rear end touched. That won't happen. What do we think the world is like out there? And missionary training that does not walk their candidates through those very issues and a host of others, is not missionary training. It's a Bible study. It's a lot of good things. I'm not putting down Bible studies. I'm not putting down all the other topics that can take up that time. But to not prepare the family is to not prepare them to finish. Um, it's interesting I I have one individual in mind as he uh, came to New Guinea on a short term thing and they lived with Beth and I on the field uh, for that five week short term trip and uh, actually this woman was with him and a girl was with him and they got engaged and uh, I remember one of the, he, he looked at, uh, we had a thatch roof and a bark floor, and he looked at our house, but it was bigger than the Teddy houses. I had more kids. And uh, he says, wow, you guys live living pretty nice. Well, you know what, we're, we're not out here camping. We're actually here to do a job. Uh, came back. He came back as a married guy. Everything changed. Then you know what happened, and this is one thing we talk about a lot at Radius. Put that kid in the mix. And your consecration, your commitment can change everything pretty easy to talk big and bold when you're single and then when you're married without kids but you put kids in that equation how much are you willing to endure then and we man we all love our kids and folks I I hope I don't have to state that you know too many times Uh, it's not because I had some you know impartial sorry son you're a man you're two you can walk very well now Uh, (laughs) that's just just not the way that we did life Um, but these are real issues here Oh, great. Oh, wrong. Okay. I I love this quote uh, by John Piper. More and more I am persuaded from Scripture and from the history of missions that God's design for the evangelization of the world and the consummation of His purposes includes the suffering of His ministers and missionaries. Not because, oh, bummer. Oh, bummer. Man, we got caught by surprise. If we would have been a little bit sharper, we could have avoided that one. If we had planned ahead, if we would have asked more questions before we signed on, if we'd just done a little more research, that's not what Piper's premise is saying is. It's actually in the plan of God. Man, that his ambassadors would win credibility to the message based on their scars, based on their losses. I love how the Apostle Paul phrases it in Galatians. He says, Let no man cause me trouble. I bear on my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. They added to the message. And as we've been reminded earlier, it's all about our God. What does he want to accomplish? His message must be taken seriously and this has been in part one of the ways his messengers are taken seriously by what they are willing and what they do endure. And if we're talking about sending missionaries overseas, if we, w- we want to do missions, we've talked about this, and I don't mean this in a put-down way, but if we want to do missions, go overseas and have a missions experience, This can all- everything we're talking about in this hour does not apply. Because you dictate how long you're there, and you dictate when you hit the eject button. You call in all the shots. But if we're there for the duration to take the gospel where it's never been before, overcoming the massive hurdles and the time it's going to take folks these things are right in the wheelhouse of preparing missionary candidates to complete the great commission Uh, so we have to go back this morning and just talk a, a few minutes here about some of the things that are involved in this biblically let's uh let's start with the scriptures jesus said to simon don't be afraid from now on you will be catching men and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That's in uh, the book of Luke. In the book of Matthew, it says it with even more definition, more specificity, that they left everything and their father. And their father. Um, one, one premise in missions today is it's never convenient, it's not casual, and it costs you at the family level right out of the gate right out of the gate. We had a student, a couple last uh, semester. Man, I'll, I'll never forget this. His name was John. That's as far as I'll go. And John is now, and his wife and child are on their way to Southeast Asia. Uh, John was uh, <clears throat> the uh, recipient. Uh, he, the family farm had been in John's family for six generations. John was expected to take it over. Wonderful uh, couple. Salt of the earth. Solid. He had his master's. She's got her bachelor's. You know, they're, they're set up to do everything well. And, uh, John's wife kind of quiet just charging through the course just cool to see all this stuff happening uh they explained, not with tears, not trying to not trying to wrench us not trying to pull us into their drama but just how hard it had been to leave the the family farm and knowing that the family farm would be sold after six generations and uh some of the quiet discussions the dad had had and uh Boy, love the Lord Jesus, but the dad had made it clear how difficult this was to see the farm escape the family. And uh, for parents' weekend, the family, mom and dad, came down, great people. Uh, you could see the solemnness of, of the lifestyle just in everything they did, the way they carried themselves, the way they spoke, and how difficult this was to see John and his wife leaving that and leaving, again, the farm to go public. And uh, they came for parents' weekend at the end of the weekend, couple of days, hearing testimonies, hearing other students, uh, what they were walking away from. Uh, the dad stood up on Sunday morning. We have a time where it's just kind of an open chapel, sharing, and uh, unexpectedly, the dad, very quiet guy, the dad stood up, and he said this, uh, he said this, he said, uh, um, you guys all know what uh, John and his wife are, are doing, and... Um, I have to tell you, this is really difficult to see this happen. He says, in a sense, I feel like Zebedee. I feel like they've been left with the nets. And he turned to John, and he says, but John, I want you to know, I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. I wish I would have done this. Dad got it. Well, I'll tell you what, there wasn't a dry eye. He got it. What else are you going to do? God gives us the privilege and honor, and it's going to cost me greatly this farm that's been so almost reverenced in our family. It's gone. But to, to, for his son to be the, the one who would take the gospel it's never been before, that endorsement, I'll tell you what, that fired us all up. What else are you going to do? You got something better to do? Do it. Tell me what's better. What is better? What do you want to be known as you go throughout the ages for You gave your life for something. I remember, man, sitting on a beach in Hawaii one day, and uh, I just, I was 17 years old, this thing of mission surfing, mission surfing, and I had almost gotten killed on this stupid wave, and 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 it hit me. And not because I'm so bright, but because my youth pastor had said this just a couple weeks earlier. You're going to give your life for something. And I realized, man, I came that close to giving my life for surfing. (laughs) Dude, what the I wasn't smart, but I knew that that is not what I want to go through eternity with. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that guy. Folks, there's nothing casual about this. It's the end of something. And for Peter, it was the end. And you can't do this on a convenient basis. There's no way to gradually segue into this life of commitment and consecration. It is a leap, not an unblinding or a blinded leap. We know what we're getting into, but it is the end of a previous life, and we just need to... Understand this. Premise number one about this whole thing, uh, biblical expectations. The God of heaven deserves and demands absolute supremacy of allegiance. Absolute supremacy of allegiance. No fine print, no reserve clauses, no uh, get-out-of-jail-free cards, Um, Is this talking, you know, might be the common response, well, come on, isn't God at that point here, you know, you shall have no other gods before me? Isn't really the Lord God talking about golden calves and maybe Buddha dolls and, you know, bank accounts? Isn't it that? It can be anything. It can be anything. It can be the bank account. It can be the, the career. But today, in this day and age, mostly it's family. Mostly it's family. I would do this except for my kids. I I get that. I think that's a very rational concern. Uh, But to be stopped by that, rational can be the enemy of eternal to be stopped by what it could mean to your family? I remember, man, as Beth and I were getting on the airplane, I was so terrified, I couldn't even talk to my wife. Uh, But the thing that was occupying my mind, I remember as the plane dips its wing, we're leaving LAX to go to PNG for the first time, 1979. Yeah, really, really old. And uh, Brooks is two and a half years old, and Brandon is sitting on Beth's lap, and the plane dips its wing. When you take off out of LAX, you start going south. I'm looking over the heads of my two beautiful sons, I'm thinking... Literally, my God, what have I done? What have I done? My kids will never grow up surfing. They'll never grow up playing football. They'll never, they'll never, they'll never, they'll never, they'll never. Man, the, the regrets, and it was all centered on them. I didn't care, man, dude, I got, I, man, I'm 23 years old. I've lived a long, full life, yeah. You know? <clears throat> but my kids, my kids, the regrets. And the, yeah, the, the regrets. Man, what about my kids? I wasn't worried that they would Die? I mean, yeah, that was possible, but I had a lot of other worries. Uh, I was just worried about my kids. Can, folks, can I fast forward 20 years after that? Um, the number one joy, number one privilege of being among the Teddy people for those 20 years was absolutely head and shoulders, seeing the gospel planted among this dark set of jungle valleys. And there's a church there today, a couple of weeks from now, Beth and I get to go back and see those guys. There's a church there today. The message of the gospel is alive. Did we all of New Guinea get saved? Of course not. But among the Teddy people, the gospel message is there. That was the privilege, head and shoulders. Nothing comes close to that one. But if there's a number two, that thing that I was so terrified about became the number two thing that Beth and I thank God for. What a privilege to raise our kids in that context other diseases they got the separations were real there were other downsides but our kids saw the power of the gospel they saw God change a people group and it marked them and I'm not here to tell you all about my kids but uh, that thing that uh, is so much in our heads man I appreciated the Q&A time yesterday how some of the students answered that because our students we have a lot of students that have children and how they had come to grips with that too Even on this side of it, we got a lot more mature people than I was at 23 that are now radio students. Uh, There is a privilege and honor to this thing of putting our kids, not mindlessly, not recklessly, but for the sake of the gospel, putting our kids knowingly, doing as best we can, and yet knowing they are in harm's way. And God will honor this. And God doesn't see this as folly or silliness. This has always been the lot of the gospel ambassador. And to think this through and yet realize we are in good company. You know, it's interesting to, we talk a lot about missionary biographies uh, at Radius. Uh, we read Adoniram Judson weeks. We, we intentionally draw his story out for weeks. All the students are like, yep, yeah, that's right. It takes a long time to get through Judson's life. We want the sacrifices of Judson to drip down into them. Man, the wives, the children that he buried. Uh, we talk about William Carey I remember about 16 months ago. Uh, and as we were highlighting William Carey, he's kind of set up now and pilloried, you know, man, crazy guy. Here he is on a boat, getting leaving London, the docks there, or Bristol, I don't know. He's leaving England, and his wife, his pregnant wife, is standing there on the dock holding their first child. What a moron! And the, and the stories go on, and a couple of books have been written, you know, putting William, Tint, or William Carey in a pretty negative light. And, uh, and we're just trying to set this up. You know, what would you think? What, what do we think today of a guy who's so cavalier about the responsibility that he had toward his wife and kids? One of the ladies out there said, oh, he's, he, he, was prob- he was probably an Army Green Beret. She was the wife of an Army Green Beret who had left her pregnant many times to be deployed in the forward deployment. People go through these things for all kinds of causes. But for the gospel, that's looked on as extreme and over the top, unthought out. We understand commitment. It's just that currently in the missions venue, there's so many ways to get around that. And our Christian culture um, has become so soft and accommodating that we're not, we're coming out of a culture that allows for that to happen and actually endorses and encourages that to happen. <clears throat> Jesus said this. says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them, and he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Um, of course, we know that I hope we know what he's talking about. That in comparison to my devotion to him, my commitment, my consecration to him, and what he's about, in comparison to that, my love for Beth looks like hatred. There's, there's not a close second thing going on. Well, God first, and my family, and then my church, and then my then I've heard that. I hear that a lot. God first, and then, 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 then Bull crap. I'd love to say something different. <laughs> Let's stop kidding ourselves. It's our family. When, when, God and family. God and family. That my kids. Folks, we can kid ourselves, but we can't kid the king of the ages. He knows who's first in our heart. And Jesus is trying to put to death this this way that Israel had of just saying the right thing, man. You're saying all this stuff, but your heart's far from me. They've created this new way of doing the religious thing. And he's just trying to put an end to that. I want your devotion. I want your allegiance. If you're going to attach yourself to me, if you're going to leave all this stuff and be my follower, then be my follower. Your allegiance to me must so surpass every other allegiance. So much so many other heart affinities. And guys, I love my kids. Please, I wanna, I I know the struggle this is. And do I get it right every day? Is my love for my Lord so supremely clear and above question that this is not a struggle? Some days now, I I fall on this one. Love my wife. Uh, But this this must be what we uh, uh, ascribe to, what we desire to be, that this is so clear in our hearts. And for those who would go out to be frontline gospel ambassadors, they must confront this every single day to not lose their mind. In a Christian culture that says your kids are first, you're putting your kids in harm's way, if they're not clear on this, if this is relegated to the crazy pile of what Jesus said. Yeah, he said some weird things. Let's not go any further. Um, if it's relegated to the crazy pile Folks, your missionaries can't last overseas unless they see and have this endorsed. This is a valid way to go through life. In fact, Jesus said this or versions of this in quite a few passages. (laughs) Missionaries who are unclear on this or are wobbly on this, they will not last. They will find a headquarters position. They will come home and be mobilizers. They will be member care people. They will take up positions in the mission headquarters and have many different job titles i've seen this firsthand all the time and there's probably not any organization out there that for the sake of the children won't create a position for a missionary who finally says quietly "Uh, you know it's just not working for my kids this is rephrased in so many palatable ways You saw missionaries come to the field man struggling through the first language getting the first language then, stru- then getting the second language to that point of great ministry fruitfulness and then johnny hits junior high or high school Pff, gone k- gone k- gone oh but they need me back at the headquarters on the field they need me at the international headquarters they need me at the u.s stateside headquarters Pff, gone gone uh yeah i understand that i remember when uh uh, Brooks and Brandon were going to college here right where we're at as a college Gary Coombs sitting there it's so great to have our kids in a college like this and Beth and I were struggling through the last a couple of years of doing the translation of the scriptures for the Teddy people <clears throat> and uh, man Brooks played basketball here we missed every one of his college basketball games that was hard you don't think we felt that um, but uh, Brooks and Brandon, they, they got together. They never did this, because they, <laughs> they were fighting all the time. They're not like love-festing. Uh, they are brothers. And, uh, but they got together. They actually wrote a letter together to us, and we're like, I don't know, a year out from being done with the translation, and uh, apparently they picked it up, because we knew they were having their struggles. We were having our struggles, and they wrote a letter and said, Mom and Dad, we're so proud of you. Don't come back. We're okay. Stay. Keep doing what you finish. They hear that from your kids? And I'll tell you what, you can't buy that. But they had earned the right to say those things, and they had progressed in the dormitories. And we had great dorm parents. We had average dorm parents. We had a variety of dorm parents. There were sometimes I wanted to come up and beat on a couple dorm parents, knock a couple teeth out. We had, the, we had the whole gamut. And folks, I'm here to tell you, it can be done. Our kids can go through rigorous situations. And we, ne- we would never choose that. I'm not endorsing boarding school separation. I'm saying it can be done. If God's in this, and we will take the precautions, we can't. Ca- we don't get to go to the mission field with a little line in the sand, a little fine point big pen. Say, "I'll do anything, but I'll endure anything, but don't go and don't send them." As a missions committee leader, you find out where their butts are. Oh, wow! Does that sound good? <laughs> All right, we'll just delete that. That's why it's going to take a few days to get online. <laughs> Uh, where where are their eject buttons where are their out clauses how much we talk about making teams at radius students come down who am i going to team with what price are they willing to see their kids pay not mom and dad we all pretty good idea what about their kids go to the achilles heel what about your kids don't send your people to the mission field unless their kids have bought into the de- to the degree they can we're here to see the gospel planted whatever it takes if that's not their mindset they will be gone probably at the ministry critical point of time <clears throat> second biblical expectation it is costly being a god a gospel worker it's just costly It's already quoted this morning already. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, if it dies, Jesus could have chosen more middle ground ways of phrasing this. He intentionally says it's going to cost you, as in death, loneliness, out of sightness, the degradation of the body. That's, all those things are part of death. If it dies, it bears much fruit. Do we want fruitfulness, or do we only want to live? Do we want fruitfulness, or do we want to be fulfilled? Do we want fruitfulness, or do we want well, oh, I love this one, well-rounded Christian kids. Oh, please. We just keep sprouting them out like shark's teeth. Well-rounded Christian kids. That's just code for lukewarm. That's code for they can talk really well with adults. They can hold down a great job. They, you know, they've got options. Uh, they're educated. They're well spoken. Um, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. It's just a law of scripture. You love your life? Love your kids' lives? You're, set, you're you're actually endorsing your kids to love their life, to enjoy life. We want them to be man. That kid's got athletic potential. Mission feels, Man, we we just heard about this recently. Missionary that I know pretty well. And he is now getting ready for his kids to come back and play high school football. Mission critical time in his ministry. But you know what? He can't bear the fact that this kid won't be able to play high school football. I guess he's got you know football potential. Really? You didn't think of this before you went to the field? Your kids will not have the educational and the academic and the sports, athletic, the opportunities that they could have where they were in an accelerated program. here. Your kids will not have them. You okay with that? Look that in the eye before you go to the field. Understand you're going to be missing out on family celebrations, graduations, weddings. You're going to miss that out. That, yeah, that's, that's a thing that happens for our radius students while they're down there is they realize, uh, and they, they sign that before they come. Uh, we will be there for 10 months. And every family event, except for mom and dad going to be with the Lord, hopefully, uh, that one they will come north for, and they will go home and, and say Goodbye. Or trying to get them ready for because currently missionaries traveling overseas again and again and and coming back for a variety of reasons. Well I got the money. My church will pay for it. My family will pay for it. Boom, 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 boom. Never really staying. And boy, you don't think that the people they go to minister to don't notice that? Man, the jet set missionary, because somebody in the family has the money to relocate them, be there for the big family events? Whoever loses his life, <clears throat> hates his life in this world, will keep it for eternal life. These are the words of Jesus. Man, we're just doing life differently. It's costly. It's always been costly. <laughs> Paul says this to Timothy. Because he didn't like Timothy? No. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anybody that he, that he loved more than Timothy. He was his son in the faith. But he wanted Timothy to be fruitful. And so he says to Timothy, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Why don't we do all the things that we're allowed to do, the vacations, the trips, the this, the that, the schools, the preparation, because they're evil? Guys, I'm not trying to mock those things, and I know they have great traction on our society and in our churches and, and this is just the daily fair i get that but why doesn't the follower of christ why doesn't the purpose who's living on task with seeing god's purposes accomplished why don't we do those things because they're evil or sinful no that is not the case you can't make that case biblically that's just they're not evil or sinful so many of these things that um, take up our time they're distractions they are distractions And for the person who goes to the mission field unprepared to live life based on focus, 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 Um, while you're down there at Radius, you're going to learn phonetics and phonemics. You're going to learn it real well. But folks, the lack of phonetics and phonemics is not alone going to be the reason that you don't master the first and second language. It will be the inability to live with discipline. Shut off the things that are going on around you. Sometimes even mission board, mission agency generated. The needs that are crushing, the the real human issue needs that are right there. If you don't have the discipline to apply the phonetics and phonemics and linguistics to get through that first language into the second language, folks, those guys will never hear the gospel. The mental lifestyle discipline to do these things. This is where endure hardship. Endure hardship. Not because all these things are sinful. That's not the case at all. But for us to be people that have that discipline, the focus that can actually get through the barriers to make the message of the Lord Jesus known. This is missionary preparation. Peter writes this, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange are happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Ron talked about this yesterday. An understanding that this is just the way it is. Don't be surprised. Brothers, don't be surprised. Brothers, don't be surprised. I expect this. Uh, I I don't look forward to it. I'm not actually excited about it. We don't read of of Paul being giddy uh, over the things that he went through. But the fact is that he went through them, and he kept, back, he kept right on coming back. he gets stoned, and the next day he goes right back into the city. We know those things. Uh, I don't think Paul was giddy when they were throwing stones at his face, but he understood what he was getting into. Third biblical expectation. Separations and suffering are normative. Um, this is one that has been... Um, Boy, uh, talked about uh, in not very favorable terms uh, from many uh, counselors, from many uh, individuals that have put this in a negative light. Um, I understand that. Uh, I was on the board of our boarding school for at least the last 10 years. I think it was actually 12 years. Uh, I know that there are many missionary children who did not do well in a boarding school context. I was sitting in on the disciplinary board for quite a few of those years. Uh, I don't want to get into the details of that here, but folks, I saw a big difference between those missionary kids that were making it and those missionary kids that were not. And a critical, I would say even the most critical component is mom and dad understanding this is of God. We've chosen this lifestyle. We, we are framing it for our children. Brooks, Brandon, Nat, Buzz. It's an honor to get to do what we do. It's a privilege. You see Uncle Tim and Aunt died down the road. They were sitting there yesterday. Those guys are heroes in the Lord Jesus' eyes. It's not just Uncle Tim and Aunt Diane, those goofy guys, blah, 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 Man, Paul and Aunt Blair, uh, it, heroes. How we frame it, how mom and dad look at these things. Oh, it's so hard being here. Oh, mommy had a bad day. And I'm not trivializing the bad days we have, but folks. As parents, parents being able, this is from God. This is what he has for us as a family. We set the tone. We do the majority of the work in enabling our kids to see that, wow, Mom and dad are, 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 are handling this. And this is of God. And we're leading them into God's word. We're framing that discussion for them. And we do have the spirit of God. If the spirit of God lives in our kids, he's actually wooing this and he's enforcing this. I remember being down at one of the mission agency headquarters and I was talking to the psychologist there. He goes around. He's actually on loan to quite a few agencies. And uh, I, I kind of wanted to meet this guy. I knew there had to be a guy. You know, I had a casual Uh, anecdotal sense of experiences uh, from New Guinea very much a microcosm I I thought but I wanted to hear it from a guy who had a broader perspective and he's associated with Grace Academy with uh, Faith Academy uh, Rift Valley Academy gets around and he's the on call guy and uh, I asked him I said you know you've seen a lot of kids make it in the context of separation you've seen a lot of kids uh, not make it what's the running thread he didn't even hesitate mom and dad mom and dad Not the hostages, not the assassination of dad, not the mission compound being taken over by. These things are all in the future of our radius grads, radius students. Not this, not the mm growth, mom and dad. The particulars of the struggles are many and varied, and they are hard. Make no mistake about it. But how mom and dad are finding the Lord sufficient and the expectations of mom and dad. That's the factor in how the kids, biggest factor in how the kids handle it. Uh, again, not to make light of these harsh situations, but folks, we, and we need to go informed. What are our candidates? What are your candidates? Uh, <clears throat> our students, what are they going into? They need to go in with their eyes wide open, but they need to go. We don't make decisions based off of how it's gonna work out for us physically as a family. Is there a need? Is the gospel available in that language group or not? That's the preeminent question that we have to keep in the center of the discussion. <clears throat> Great, almost out of time, cool. Everyone who has he- left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life but men who are first will be last and last will be first. You don't have time to get into the whole first part of this chapter. It starts off Jesus giving a rousing endorsement of marriage. And then uh, the rich young ruler came along and he wanted to know, "Hey, what good things do I need to do to have eternal life?" And Jesus uh, gave him a couple things. There's that little 20 questions back and forth thing. and finally the guy just got up and left, and, and, uh, and Jesus, in looking at the rich young ruler, walk away because he didn't get the answer he wanted, he says to the disciple, he says, "Man, it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven." In fact, what he says is it's impossible. It's only, a, it's only a miracle of God that a rich person, a well-off person enters the kingdom of heaven. And Peter's like, he's just turning everything Peter knows about. Man, that's, isn't that a sign of God's you know, blessing on their life? And Peter's dumbfounded. He's like, well, man, who, how does this work then? He says, hey, it's only God, it's only God. And then Peter keeps on going. He says, what about us, man? Man, we've left everything to follow you. Peter, we know, had a wife. I'm guessing he had kids. I'm guessing the majority of these guys had wives and kids. These were not boys following Jesus around. That would have added no credibility to the gospel. These are grown men. And Peter, we know, had a wife. And Peter says, what about me, man? I've left everything to follow you. Man, Jesus had been there watching Zebedee at the boats. And just, Jesus, oh, you've left everything. You left dad? You left kids? Man, there were kids back? I didn't know that. Get back there to Galilee. Come on, you're, you're a Capernaum guy. Get back there. They're, they're fatherless without you, Peter. You've been walking back and forth to Judea with me and, and you left your kids? You better get back home. Not a bit. Not a bit. Jesus endorses that. He says it's a, if it's for the gospel's sake, I'm behind that. And I'm not endorsing cavalierness, folks, but we need to recalibrate. There are things that are more worthy than our families. There are things that demand more allegiance than our families, and we've got to hear this message. Fourth biblical expectation, family is not our primary allegiance. Yeah, I'll say it. Family is not our primary allegiance. It is an allegiance. It is very important to me. I am not endorsing abrogating responsibilities as mom or dad. Man, we took that very seriously. Every time our kids came back from the boarding school, man, we are doing checks on their spiritual pulse. We cared about their academics. We were much more concerned. Are they handling it spiritually? Man, are their hearts turning? Man, uh, we had chapel times up there uh, at the boarding school. We had godly dorm parents. It was a bunch of godly people on that base. But for me to say, well, the, the mission is raising my kids. Uh, that was the biggest factor we saw in missionaries not it, missionary kids not making it. Uh, dad's not teaching their kids the word of God. The father in the home, not teaching kids the word of God. Um, I'm not against the family. You've heard me say that too many times this morning already. But folks, they're not our primary res- allegiance. They're not our primary responsibility. Jesus is very clear on this. He says this, <clears throat> this story, little anecdote. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. He's not trying to crush the family unit. There's too many other passages that speak of the responsibility, but he's putting it in perspective. He's putting it in perspective. That is a tremendous area of responsibility that every grown adult who is married has. But there's one that even surpasses that, that allegiance that we have because, as followers of the Lord Jesus, and we'll see this much more clearly in the rest of the epistles. My relationship to those who have bowed the knee to the forgiveness available in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're actually, that's my family. And Jesus is introducing that concept. You know, we're not just all sons of Israel here. Jesus is saying there's something even more in depth. Those who hear the word of God and do it later on will get more clarity on that. Do you think, Jesus says in another passage, do you think I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother and da- against daughter, daughter-in-law, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Jesus comes down, and he says, you think that being my follower is just gonna bring everything together? This is gonna create harmony. This is, this is gonna be awesome. He says, think again. I demand to come in and take over supreme allegiances. That's the spot I occupy you are you not my follower? I'm not doing the second fiddle thing. I'm not, I'm not gonna be tacked on like this little mic pack, You know, but you know, I'm going along for the ride. You do your thing, I'm going along. Jesus is not endorsing that. He's demanding complete allegiance and, if, allegiance, and if anybody needs to live at that level, it is your cross-cultural missionaries that you're sending, the cross-cultural missionaries that we are training uh, to go into hard places. They need to be having this mindset Man, my responsibility to my Lord comes first. Most of the time, folks, I gotta be honest with you. You know, take that take some of this sting out of this. What has been good for me being a follower of Christ has been good for my family. The vast majority of the time. For me to listen to the word of my God and to follow that and to win my wife to that, and I did, man, that's a that's a constant thing, man. Earning the right to lead my wife, earning the right. Man, you're gonna mail that one in at some point. Well, I'm the dad and I'm connected to God. There's all kinds of ways to blow this. I get that. If you want to take a line and twist it all out, that's not what I mean, folks. We win our wives, we win our kids to this thing. But at the same time, even as the majority of the time, it was good for my wife. It was good for my kids. There was blessing in it. There were things that were hard. There were things that, uh, man, I wish it was other than that. Uh, there were things that uh, were not good for my kids. Uh, We nearly lost Brooks and Brandon and Buzz overseas. Uh, All three of our kids nearly died on us, okay? And that would not have been the case uh, had we not lived in the situation that we are in. Um, God was merciful to us. Most of the time it's good for my family, but there are those times, no, this is going to suck. This is really going to be bad. Uh, And it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt for a long time. And we're going to miss a lot. Um, I won't go into too much detail on that. This whole thing of... Primary allegiances. Jesus says this when they ask him the silly question about, "Well, man, what? Whose wife is she going to be? She, you know, she had seven husbands. You know, whose wife is she going to be?" The Pharisees and Sadducees love to try to ask those questions, and Jesus' response is this: The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry or are given in marriage. Marriage is temporary. I love being married. Love my wife. Forty-two years. One, two, (laughs) 40-ish, you know, doing good. Love my wife, love being married. Uh, It's temporary. It's temporary, folks. My kids, last name, user, yeah, temporary. Gonna be gone pretty quick here. Temporary. Do it well. Let's enjoy the good times. Let's be ready for the hard times, too. And let's hold these things, these wonderful things, these temporary institutions, let's hold them lightly. Not with fixed grips. A crisis in missions—you better believe it. There is a crisis going on in missions today. Let me read you a little letter here. I know I'm a couple of minutes over time. We'll just take a longer break, and uh, we'll, we'll figure this out. I received this letter two years ago from a missionary that had been trained in every area but the one we're talking about now. The letter reads like this: "It is with sad." It is with a sad but yet peaceful heart that we share with you our decision not to return to, I've put Nepal. It wasn't Nepal. This is a common letter. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is, this is such a hard letter to write. The missionary, I'm leaving the field letter. I'm cashing it in letter. It's with a sad but peaceful heart that we share with you our decision not to return to Nepal. Before now, we were absolutely determined to return to Nepal in April. From the day we stepped out to pursue missions, we have been all in, his quotes. But the, but the time away from Nepal on furlough has also shown us how much healthier and happier our children are here in the United States. Wow, big revelation. <laughs> we will give our lives to full-time ministry no matter where God places us, but we don't want to do it at the expense of the family which through earnest study of Scripture, I had to wonder, what Scripture? And wisdom of others, we've chosen to make our first priority. We've chosen to make our first priority. We want to minister well together and in submission to the Lord, and to do that, our care for our family must glorify God. Came home to a brass band. Great. And the the church is baffled. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? Folks, this guy was trained in every area but family. And to talk like we're doing here, we are accused of, you're abusive, you're creating a culture of abuse. You're, this, is hard, this is over the top. This is unnecessary. Uh, unnecessary. Uh, these things are uh, scary. And yet to not hit these issues, your missionaries are going with a stopwatch already ticking because when it affects the family, they will be home. There is a crisis in missions today. Here's the alternative. Send only singles. Send only those without children. Send only short-term until folks have children. These are the eject buttons. Boom, 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 boom. You could do, go down the list. <clears throat> or go back to Scripture and prepare our workers with biblical mindsets and expectations. Folks, there's no alternative. We will not complete the Great Commission without missionaries equipped in this way. They will be gone. Might be 15 years when they're really getting to that point of discipling and key issues. It might be, it might. who knows when, but unless they have been prepared mentally to pay the price in this most difficult of areas, they won't make it to the finish line and see that church brought to maturity to where they can leave them behind. Let's pray. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. You know that these are hard topics. Uh, these ones that you give to us, our children, our wives, our spouses, you know how much we love them. God, may, uh, may we be clear that our primary allegiance is to you. May your word, may you, the God of heaven, demand such clarity of passion and fidelity that it would even look like hatred. The gap would be so large. There would be such a, a certainty about who we are in step with, who we are in love with. Um, that the gap would look like hatred. Help us, Lord, as we are all people in this room who care about seeing your message declared to every tongue, tribe, and nation. Help us to navigate these things well, wisely, to prepare our global ambassadors as best we can in this area in particular. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.